you want something, you simply ask for it. The only, the worst that can happen is someone says no. And then you find a way to make it happen anyway. You know, like you find your way around. Hey everyone, Emily Abadi here coming to you live from the AG studio. You are listening to episode 180 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential. And of course, have some fun along the way. This week, I am chatting with Kira Stokes. She's a celebrity trainer and founder of the Kira Stokes Fit app. Based here in New York City, she's got over 25 years of experience in the fitness industry. After graduating from Boston College with a degree in psychology and a minor in health sciences, Kira went on to become a celebrity personal trainer and group fitness coach with clients like Shay Mitchell, Ashley Graham, Nora O'Donnell, Nastia Lukin. I mean, the list goes on. In today's episode, she talks to me about how she first got into this industry in college and how different things were back then. Training at one point up to 12 people in one day to now coaching thousands via her own app. We also talk about living the life you want versus the one that may be expected of you. It's something that I have certainly struggled with in the past and how trusting her gut helped her navigate some major professional hurdles as well as the COVID-19 pandemic. Plus her best advice for anyone else who may want a career in the fitness industry, as well as just a bunch of good vibes. Huge thanks to Kira for her time today. Before we get into it today, I do want to give some love to my friends at Beam. Now, research shows what we've known all along, right? That sleep affects everything. It affects your overall health, your brain function, your mood. It even affects weight loss. And poor sleep quality and short sleep duration have been known to increase the risk of metabolic, cardiovascular, and respiratory disease. A lot of us struggle with getting a full night of quality sleep. I know I can definitely relate with this. And that is where Beam's dream powder comes in. Beam Dream has helped me get some of the best sleep of my entire life. It's triple lab tested and contains melatonin, magnesium, reishi, L-theanine, and their nano CBD powder. Now, why is their nano CBD so innovative? I know that you want to know. Well, it's all about surface area. When you break up hemp molecules down into tiny little droplets, your body has a dramatically increased ability to absorb them, leading to an incredible night of rest. I mix my beam dream up with some hot water and a little bit of hot frothed almond milk about an hour, an hour and a half before I go to bed. And every single time I do, I get just the best kind of deep, restful sleep. Now, you too can get the sleep of your dreams with Beam's Dream Powder. If you subscribe now, you'll get 35% off your first month of Dream. This is exclusive for Hurdle listeners, plus a free mug and a frother. Hello, amazingness. <laughs> Head on over to beamorganics.com. That's B-E-A-M-O-R-G-A-N-I-C-S.com slash Hurdle and use the code Hurdle at checkout to get 35% off your first month. Again, beamorganics.com slash Hurdle. Use code Hurdle for 35% off your first month and you can pause or cancel at any time. 
Make sure you're following along with Hurdle over on social. It's at Hurdle Podcast. I am over at Emily Abadi. And with that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I am chatting with Kira Stokes. She is a trainer to many, everyone from God, good friends of mine to people like you may know, Ashley Graham, Shane Mitchell. She has her award-winning Stoked Method. I know you are certed up. How many certifications do you have? I think, well, you know, my website needs to be redone. So I think probably, whatever, it might be 13, 14 now, depending, you know, COVID caused me to like dive in even deeper because we had extra time. So 14? A lot of certifications. A lot of certifications. A trainer, a loved trainer by all. Kira, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm stoked. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I'm stoked. Man, feels appropriate. Where, I mean, obviously Kira Stokes, but was that like a natural naming situation for you or was that still like kind of difficult to come up with? You know, what's funny is that um, I laugh about it now because I think back to when I first began my career as a trainer, I did not use stoked at all. Like it didn't... I, <laughs> so weird, but it didn't even click in my brain that that was a word that really, um, could encompass a feeling, a method, a type of training until about honestly, 10 years into my career when I, when, and that, which is when I really realized that I had a method versus just a way of training people. Like, I think that's also in my brain where I started to feel like it was the right time to call it a method because it had been tested and proven and used on actual human beings. So, you know, Stokes, uh, you know, I'll say like, it's the perfect last name. It was like, I was born a brand, right? Um, I wish it was stoked, but it's Stokes. And uh, just threw the (laughs) D on there, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And, uh, you know, the word I think really does it resonates with me in so many ways because the word stoked means, you know, a feeling or a state of, of exert, of exhilaration or excitement. Right. And my method, I really hope that it does excite people about fitness and, um, takes them to a higher state of self-awareness and one that they're really pumped about. Before we wind it back and get into a little bit of your backstory, I'm curious, what, does the Stokes method, what does that really entail? Explain to us a little bit about what that looks like. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's actually quite hard for me to define. And I feel like it gets harder as the method evolves. Um, you know, it is the boilerplate. Like if I were to put, give you like, you know, as it's written, it is a science backed functional flow of movement. you know, and there's so many different ways to break that down because there are so many different um, classes or workouts that comprise the Stoked method. But really what it, what from the feeling aspect or side of things, it is that self-awareness and that connection and that mind body connection that makes movement so much more efficient and effective. And this is the best way to describe it. It's kind of like a, a book or a chapter in a book. And that every word, when you read a book or you're reading a chapter of a book, every word matters, right? You can't skip a word because if you skip a word, you're going to miss something. And the same, in my opinion, should hold true with movement. 
every move, including the transitions in and out of movement should matter. It should make sense. So someone that hears all of that, they're like, cool, sounds good, but I'm still not sure what I'm doing when I come to do some sort of stoked method class. Mm -hmm. So give me a snippet of what that could look like. Although I understand that we're not going to get the whole picture from one class. Yeah. Um, Perfect example. I think, I think the best, you know, particular workout to use as an example is Stoked Shred 360, which, um, you know, the names of all of my classes have honestly evolved or changed over the years and, and, um, kind of, you know, because my movement evolves and as, as should everybody's right. So, um, but shred this particular class, I think the first thing it was called back in 1990, oh my gosh, uh, 1995, it was total body conditioning, <laughs> you know, and then it became again, total body 360. And then once I realized my name, which was stoked, it became stoked 360. And then it became stoked shred 360. And, you know, in terms of a basic circuit that you would experience there, it's a combination of, I hate to call it hit training because to me, hit training, you know, as we know, you, you really challenge your body, like intensity wise, you are like at the pinnacle of your intensity. And then you break and you give your body that time to recover. That's what HIIT training is, right? It's, it's allowing yourself to heart rate to come up, heart rate to come down. Well, in Stokes Shred 360, it's almost, it's Stokes style HIIT. So yes, your heart rate's going to come down, but you're never going to be stuck. You're not going to be quote resting. You're going to be performing that transition move uh, that will take you right back to the beginning of the circuit. So um, say you're doing a squat press, right? You've got dumbbells, you're doing a squat press. You then turn that particular move into a power movement. So you take the squat press, you put the weights down and you take it into a squat broad jump and then, you know, hands down, whatever shoulder taps, burpee up, whatever it is, you're progressing the strength move into a power movement. Then, because that move at some point has your hands on the ground, you keep those hands on the ground, you go into mountain climbers and there's your cardio core. And then you do your active mobility where one foot comes outside the hand and then the other. So you're creating this story of like ebbs and flows of energy and ebbs and flows of how you're taxing your body, strength, power, endurance, mobility to make, bring yourself back to the beginning, which is the time where you're like, okay, reset and refocus, right? So it's about, it's kind of the, the shifting of energy throughout a circuit and learning to embrace that and not, I think what people have, you know, find most interesting when they first try the method is they'll say, Oh my gosh, like, do we ever take a break? Do we like, do where, where's the break? And I'm like, well, your break is that active mobility exercise where your heart rate's coming down, but you're still moving and you're still preparing your body to continue with movement rather than just stopping and standing and looking at your phone or texting or, you know, it's like, you have got to be hundred percent focused in that moment. And once you give this a chance and you give yourself your complete self to this workout, there's nothing like it. I love this description and it, it begs the question that, do you remember the first time in your life where movement felt like that to you, where it just felt absolutely so, I want to say utopian, but that feels like mm-hmm. a little bit aggressive, maybe just like <laughs> absolutely, absolutely so ideal that you were beyond happiness. I think that, uh, and again, it took me years to realize where, um, where my 
desire within the method to create this constant flow of movement came from, but it was a hundred percent my background in gymnastics. Like when I started to mm. really tear down, like, okay, how did I, why does my brain work this way? Why, why is it so hard for me to just be like, no, if you're on the ground, just get up, right. Just stand up. And it's like, cause when you watch a floor routine, do you ever see a gymnast not connect one move to the next? There's always a way in and always a way out. That's gorgeous. Right. So it, it, you know, in my brain, that's like how my brain works. It's how it's constantly thinking is like, okay, we're up. How do we get down? But in a way that makes sense for your body in a way that connects your body. So I think, um, to me, when I look back on my love of movement, where it stems from, I, I really think it's that I, what resonated me most about gymnastics was that constant, that constant flow and just feeling so connected all the time. And how old were you when you started doing gymnastics? Uh, I think I was seven. An early seven. An early seven, but like it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't a gymnastics experience where I, I wasn't going to the gym every day for gymnastics. It wasn't that, you know, I wasn't destined for that kind of relationship with gymnastics. It was also my parents saying like, we're not driving you to gymnastics every day. Like it's not like kind of seeing like, she's okay. She's good, but she's not like fantastic. Like twice a week, twice a week, week is good, you know? So, um, I think, but I, I will say that, you know, gymnastics in general, just the, that focus on core strength, right. That focus, that innate, it's such a base of, um, gymnastics in general is having that awareness of your core. I can't, I'm so grateful for that. Right. Cause it's very rare that in sports that is like the core that's really got the, you know, the core focus, but it, it truly is. And I think it really made me, um, just grow up with that strength in the core that I, I know it, it gave me that at a young age. And that's so important because as you're kind of getting at here, like that's something that so many athletes don't take the time to really home in on, especially, I mean, I'm a huge runner. I mean, everything that we do, regardless of what your sport is, it stems from the core yet. So many of us don't take the time to really give that, that important attention that it really needs. You know, I actually, I just did a post about it yesterday because I feel like every once in a while people need a refresher on the fact that it's not your, you know abs are great, right? Like people think core that if they don't know, if they don't know better, they're not taught better core to them is just ab strength, right? It's just being strong in your abs, but it's not your core is literally everything in your body aside from your limbs. Like aside from the arms and legs, there's your core, even the insertion of your lap muscles. So it's like, without that base strength, man, it's not just about like how you work out stronger, but it's how you move through life stronger, just the daily activities. So um, yeah, that has always been, and that is a, a big part, big focus in my method is just everything revolving around the core. Okay. So gymnast at seven, where are we growing up? Upstate New York. So Del Mar, New York, okay. which is, um, outside of Albany. It's like, you know, maybe five miles outside of Albany and um, great little town, great town to grow up in. I would, I can't, you know, all my Del Martians out there. Hello, but I can't, I can't say that I would move back there, but I absolutely loved growing up there. You know, it was a wonderful, a wonderful, um, childhood that I had just a great, just a great, easy place to grow up. Like not a pressure filled place, not, you know, not aware. I think, I don't know if I've talked about this before, but I remember 
when I went to Boston College, I think sometimes you don't realize how sheltered you are where you grow up until you have more of a big city experience. Not that Boston, I mean, Boston is a city, right? It's not New York, but um, I remember just being a freshman at Boston College and walking into one of my friend's dorm room. And I remember her, like she had a Prada bag. And I remember looking at it and being like, what's that triangle? Like, it, it just not like where I grew up. Like we just didn't, it, we didn't brand like that. Like it just wasn't, it wasn't a focus. It wasn't, um, I didn't grow up with parents that cared about any of that or even like, it just wasn't a thing, you know, it was just, it was just a, a basic, wonderful childhood, to be honest. Same Kira. Yeah. I did. I don't, I don't even think I could have told you what a product logo looked like. I until had no clue. Yeah. And this girl, she was from Rye, you know, which we know is right near, you know, it's actually right around. Yeah. I live in Larchmont. So it's like, it was Rye and it was a whole group of girls from Rye. And they literally get looked at me like I had five heads. Like they were like, you don't know what this is. And I was like, yeah, I think I was wearing my Forenza limited sweater backwards with the V, you know, in the front. And I was like, I was like, <laughs> not from the limited, you know. So, but I, but I really, but I, I'm like, you guys heard of that place um, or fashion bug? Um, you know, I, I can't, I can't think of a better way to grow up, to be honest, um, yeah. to, than to not, not be kind of jaded with that. Not that, not that all people are, you know. But I'm just saying, like, to not be concerned about it. You go to Boston college when you are there, are you playing sports? No, I played field hockey in high school a little bit, but Boston college field hockey, man was, you know, they're a killer team. Shout out to the Eagles backtracking to high school as a gymnast. I, I was, you know, I competed on my high school team. I had a boyfriend at the time and he brought me to this place called Mike Masciuto's Nautilus. And it was tiny. I mean, the small, it was like the small, you can't call it a gym. It was so small. Right. And it was like a sweatshop. And I, he brought me in there and he always says like, I, you never left. Like I created a monster. I remember walking in there and like begging my parents for a membership and being like, I just, I love this environment. Like everybody's trying to like get stronger. And I wanted to get stronger. I was a very, um, I was very skinny as a kid. Like I've always like, that's, I don't have any big like transformation story, you know, but I will say that I was the kind of skinny runt in high school and strong as anything, you know, triceps and everything I've had them forever, but I was really small. And I remember going, stepping into this gym and being like, this is where I can get stronger. And like, not get bigger, but be like, feel strong, you know, feel my best. And, um, I, I freaking loved it there. And so when I got to Boston college back then where you worked out in school was called the Plex. And I would go to the Plex and I get all my roommates every day. I'd be like, right after classes, I'm like, we're all going to the Plex. We're all going to work out. That was my first experience ever taking a group fitness class was at, and I can, I can't remember her name, but I remember what she looked like. And I was in awe of this instructor. I was like, how amazing. She's got like 50 of us in the plex and we're all moving together. And she's just, it's like conducting an orchestra. And this is like unbelievable. And I remember I just, I was just, I just absolutely loved watching what she was doing and being a part of it. 
And I started, <laughs> I mean, my roommates, they were like, they put up with so much. I remember before we'd go out at night, um, I'd get everybody in the eight man and I'd put them in, the, I'd get everybody in the common area. And I'd say, we've got to do Tammy Lee Webb buff blasters. It was like a, a 20 minute video back. You're too young to know, but it was like, Denise, <laughs> it was like Denise Austin days. Like I, Denise Austin, I, I, and I love her and she's, she's my pal on Instagram now, but like same kind of thing. But it was like, I'm like, we got to get our buttons tightened right before we go out. It's going to be amazing. And they were always like, Kira, like, seriously, we just, we just want to go out. And I'm like, no, you're going to feel so good. You're going to put your jeans on and like, boom, we're going to like, we're going to go. So that kind of started my like desire to just get people moving and feeling good. I think, um, not having a sport to do while I was in college, it was like, this became my outlet. It was like, okay, I may not have that sense of community within this, within sports. Cause you know, in college, especially division one as Boston college is those, you know, athletes that are, that are competing, they are in there so tight knit, right. They have, and I would see that and be like, this is so cool. Like, my gosh, they have this like sisterhood. That's so awesome. I can create this in a different way. I feel like, mm. let me just do it amongst my like eight roommates at the time. But I always in my brain was like, there's gotta be a way that I, I just love motive, like this kind of motivating people in this way. There's gotta be a way I can take this and make it like real, you know, for sure. First note here, eight roommates seems like a lot of roommates. <laughs> Didn't you have that in college? No, I think it's like <laughs> different in New York. I think Boston. So in college at Boston college, you had, uh, depended on the year you were in, but like you had eight mans, you had four mans, you had six men, they call them mans, but those were the amount of like, you'd have like four bedrooms in a common area you know, and that's, wow. that's kind of what it was. And it depends, it totally like whether you won the lottery and you got the eight or you got the six or you got the four, it was like, it is what it is, but that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> the second takeaway from all of that for me is it's interesting to me that when you were in high school, you thought it would be so cool to get strong. And usually we see that somewhere, right? Like usually you would have been exposed to someone else and maybe it could have just been by walking into that gym, but you looked at that as something that would be really awesome for you. And I think that's a really cool thing because not everyone has that type of exposure or would feel that way walking into a gym. A lot of people would walk into a gym like that and be like, mm, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. And I, this is where I, I really do believe, you know, it's the nurture versus nature, right? My sister, for example, has never set foot in a gym ever in her life and has no desire. I've wow. tried. Like I remember bringing her to the gym in Boston where I was working at the time. And she said, I want it. Can you just give me a basic, like arm routine? I just want an arm routine. And I remember being so excited because I was like, Oh my gosh, she's finally at, like, she finally wants my guidance. I look over, I'm getting everything set up. I look over, she's literally napping on a bench, laying there. And I'm like, are you ready? And she's like, you know what? I'm good. And it, like, that was it. So it wasn't like, we both grew up in the same household, right? So it wasn't something that was necessarily, now I got more attention for sure to like my dad's habits. Um, then I think my sister really, really did. And that with my father, um, that is where I get my love of the gym. My mother, my sister, and my mother 
very much alike. My mother's never seen the inside of a gym. God bless her. Like she does her walk every day and does what I, you know, the, the little bits I've given her, but it's always, she's always made it very clear. I am not doing this for vanity. I'm doing it for osteoporosis. I'm like, okay, that's, you know what that, that's, and that's her thing. And that's great. My dad, he's 82 now. I mean, he, it, pre COVID he'd be in the gym three hours a day, two hours a day. You know, a lot of it was him just cleaning off the machines because he's meticulous, but like, it was a lot of working out too. My whole life, he'd come home from work, like come in the door and I'd watch him and he'd give us a wave and then he'd put his running gear on and he'd be back out the door running within 10 minutes of getting home. I've never been one able to sit still. It's just what's in me. So walking in that gym and seeing, feeling this energy, like I remember walking in and literally being like, I literally just found my people, <laughs> like, like just kind of looking around and, you know, mind you at that point, that was 19, I'd say my first time stepping in a gym like that was 1989, 1990. There weren't a lot of women in there. Hardly any, I'd say two or three, two or three. Mm. And they were just mm -hmm. on the Stairmaster. Like they weren't in the weight room. They were in the Stairmaster. And I'll tell you, Emily, like I just, and again, I've just had it in me. Like I didn't even think about like, oh, this is intimidating. There's a bunch of guys around. I don't know if I want to do, I would just walk up to them and say, how do I use this? Like this mm. lap pull down machine? Like, what is this? And why do I want to, you know, how do I use it? I just barged right in and was like, just teach me. How do I do it? Do you ever have a negative experience asking for help? Not that sticked out in my head. So I can't imagine Which there was good. ever. Yeah. I can't imagine there. I would have remembered that, but no, I think because I was so, it might've been because I was small and I was like, you know, this little blonde thing running away. I was like, God, be like, sure. She's, you know, I'll help her out. Like she looks like she could use some muscles. Like she needs some strength. Let me help this girl out. I just had no um, you know, my parents always tell me, if you want something, you ask for it. And if you don't ask mm -hmm. for it, you know, if you don't ask, you're never going to know the answer. Right. So, and that kind of holds true throughout life. It's like, if you want something, you simply ask for it. The only, the worst that can happen is someone says no. And then you find so a way true. to make it happen anyway. You know, like you find your way around and that's it. It's like, never be afraid to ask. Like it's, I think that's a really important lesson is that I've never been afraid. I, I just haven't. It's like, so someone says, no, big deal. You move on, you know, learn from it, you find know, another way. You just find goes. another route. That's it. Yeah. Well, you weren't afraid to ask your girlfriends to do butt workouts with you before you went out in college. When does the, we should do a butt workout situation <laughs> turn into maybe I should actually do something with this whole, I yeah. love to do the fitness thing. Yeah. I think, I think what happened was, um, I, my parents, you know, they paid for Boston college and they were very by the book. Like we pay for your education. We are not paying for an extra gym membership. And I felt like I needed to see what else was out there. Like I, here I had Boston college. It was great. I needed to get off campus and see like what other gyms were out there besides what I was just experiencing. So I remember getting on the tee and going down. I'd heard of this place called the Squash Club. And I know it sounds really weird. Like the Squash Club is just for squash. But I can't tell you. This place was anybody who became anybody in fitness that you may not know or heard of, have heard of now because they didn't jump on the social media bandwagon. 
right? They they actually gave a hard stop to that, which is which was quite frankly a mistake, right? Because they are incredibly talented. They all started at this one place, a squash club in Alston, Massachusetts. And it was, I have never seen classes back then, aerobics, like step, multi-impact, all of that, like this in my life. And I don't think I ever will again. It was, I'm talking a hundred people in a class. They're doing it in the hallway if they can't fit in the gym. Yeah. Like you can't, I can't express the energy that you felt. So I took myself down to this gym and I was like, I got to check this place out. I walked in and again, I was like, my people, like, what is this place? Like, this is insane. And there was a physical therapy place attached to it. It was before it's time. It was squash, physical therapy, aerobics, strength training. It was everything. It was like a, a big, it was the first like big box gym in Boston ever. And, um, I just knew like, you know, you know, when in your brain, you walk in a place and you're, or or you meet a person, right. And you say like, there's an instant connection. Um, that's kind of like the love affair I had with gyms, right. I'd walk in and just be like, oh, I just want to be around this energy more. I just want to be around this energy more. Everybody's trying to do the right thing, you know, hopefully for their body uh, on the, you know, from the outside looking in you know, there's a common theme. There's a community. People were talking to each other. They were, you know, having a blast, like moving in the studio together. So I took a job at the front desk and I was like, I'll work the front desk. It got me a free membership. I'm just going to soak everything in while I'm here. And, you know, I only worked like, you know, my parents were like, your, your job is college. Like this is not, what are you doing? Like, this is not okay. Like, only one day a week. So I worked enough just to get the membership. But what I did every second I could get when someone wasn't there to check in my lo- I mean, if I could tell you the out, you know, the, how this entire gym was like set up, I could like peek through and watch the entire room. Like this, what was going on in strength change gym. I sat there with a, with a notepad and was just like writing down, like how people were putting workouts together. I'd watch one trainer and I'd follow like you know, there's certain trainers that I would watch and other ones that I just knew weren't my thing. Like I didn't, you know, it was like, okay, that's, I don't really love what they're doing with that, but like I'd watch and I'd write things down and then I'd go into the physical therapy clinic anytime I had a break and literally follow this one man around. His name was Tim Brewster, who was the most incredible physical therapist slash strength and conditioning coach slash trainer the first person I'd ever seen. And to this day, like, I still believe it, who was able to merge the two physical. I mean, I shouldn't say that there are great physical therapists that are also trainers. He had a way of not being as PT based, but taking his knowledge and really create, you know what I mean? You know how sometimes you go, you, you meet a physical therapist and again, there are wonderful physical therapists but they keep creating a program for someone that's just fitness based. It's a little different because their brain works in one, you know, a certain direction. He, I would watch him and he would train people on the floor and then he'd go back in the PT clinic. And I remember asking him one day, I'm like, can I just follow you around a little bit? And can you like, I won't say here I am again asking, right. I'm like, I won't like bother you, but I would like to just take some notes he was amazing. He was like, you can abs- like hundred percent follow me around. Like, a, like a dog, like I, you know, like anything <laughs> you want and ask me questions after. And that's what I did. I like spent any time that was like downtime from the front desk in that PT clinic, 
watching him on the floor and um, learning everything I could and asking him like, what's the first thing I should do? You know, mind you, remember this was 1994. So I was a junior going into my junior year at Boston College. In the summers, friends were getting internships. I worked full-time at that gym. And I remember my parents, you have to, back then, fitness wasn't a profession, right? It was like a fun thing people did on the side. It wasn't necessarily, it was, it, I mean, I've seen it all. Like I've been in this business for a quarter of a century now, when you think about it. It's been 25 years I've been doing this. So I've seen how the industry has evolved. And back then it was like, oh, that's a fun thing to do. It wasn't like you can make a living doing this, right? right. So I remember one of the hard, one of the hardest lessons, it took years for me to get across to my parents that this was actually going to be my profession, right? So everybody's getting internships and my parents are like, what are you going to do when you graduate? Like, what are you going to do when you graduate? Like, what are you working towards this summer that, and they were, they're not, they were not people that put pressure on me at all, but like any parent, they're like, um, we're sent you are at Boston college, like your degree, like you're getting a degree. What is this really helping that? Like, what's gonna, what were you studying at the time? So at the time I changed my, I changed my major three times in college. Okay. I started um, in arts and sciences. And I thought I was going to pre-med thought I was going to go like to medical school. Like that was what I wanted to do. And then, you know, at the time to me, that road was so daunting. It was like, I was like, Oh, it's a lot. That's a lot of years down the road. Just wasn't going to work for me. I was like, Nope. So I started, I had a lot, a lot in the sciences, obviously. Like I had a lot of credits in that somehow in my brain was like, let's try political science. (laughs) Exactly. So started taking poli sci was like, yeah, this is interesting. What the heck am I going to do with this? Then met with an advisor who was like, Kira, if you you don't figure this out, like you're not going to graduate on time. You've got all these science credits and now you've got poli sci, like you're never going to be able to get all that you need. I think I even switched to economics at one point from poli sci, like one semester, I was like, let me do this. And that's when my advisor was literally like, like you need to like figure out like, what is it that you want to do? And quite frankly, Boston college did not have an exercise physiology program. I knew in my brain what I wanted to do, but I was like, it's not here for me, but I freaking love it here. Like, I don't want to transfer, but like, uh, how am I going to make this work with what I really want to do? They had a minor that was health science and that became my minor, but my major ended up psychology. And Mm. I can't tell you how obviously that was, is, and was super, super useful. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm so happy. That's what my degree was in because, um, you know, I, I almost feel like as a trainer, it's like movement therapy. Right. And a lot of what I do is a lot of listening and a lot. And I love that. I love listening. I love helping people figure out things they have going on in their life, but it's not the pressure of like, you're sitting in a chair, someone's taking notes on you or like a therapy session. It's a different kind of therapy and Mm -hmm. using what I learned. A lot of it's common sense and psychology, but a lot of it was like really using what I learned to let them, people open up more through movement. When you're moving, Think about it when you're running or you're walking and all of a sudden 
if you're one of those people where you can organize your thoughts or you, this is where like, you almost wish you had a notepad in your hand when you were running. Cause you're like, Oh gosh, I'm coming up with such great stuff. Right. That happens with the clients when you're training them properly. Right. When you're really listening and asking the right questions, they figure out so much more than just what's going on with their body during that time with you. Right. They, they, your goal as a trainer is to make them feel better in body and mind, right? Not just, not just the body, right? It's not about just fixing or working with the body. It's getting into what's going on up here because that affects it all. taking a break from today's episode to talk to you about my sponsors. First up, Baron Fig. Now, Baron Fig has been dedicated to a mission since they started to champion thinkers around the world through inspiration and imagination. And they do this by creating what they call tools for thinkers. Newsflash, if you have thoughts, <laughs> you're a thinker, which means that they've got awesome stuff for you. I'm talking guided journals, notebooks, writing instruments, bags, desk organizers, and so much more. I use my confident journal every single morning when I wake up. I loved bringing it on my recent trip to Europe, and it's the perfect opportunity laying out that journal. It lays flat. It is beautiful <laughs> to take the time to unpack my thoughts in the pages and start my days off with a clear head and a grateful heart. Of course, they have a deal for you. Head on over to baronfig.com slash hurdle. That is B-A-R-O-N-F-I-G.com slash hurdle. Use the code hurdle21 for 20% off your purchase of $25 or more. Again, I am obsessed with their confidant notebook, but they have so many great options over on the site. Head on over to baronfig.com slash hurdle. Use code hurdle21 at checkout for 20% off. Also want to give some love to my friends at RevTown, the maker of my favorite denim. I have been wearing my RevTown jeans nonstop, and that's because they are so comfortable. Absolutely the most comfortable denim I own. They are super simplistic, and what I love about RevTown is they deliver a broader selection of styles that work for so many different body types, and they are trendy without trying too hard. Plus, they use premium innovative fabrics that deliver upon great fit, comfort, and quality. They're athletic, skinny, one of my favorite styles. It's made to move in. It's got that like ideal lifting and sculpting kind of vibe going on while keeping things super cozy, soft, and stretchy. No more squeezing into the jeans, doing that like weird jumping up and down while pulling it up thing. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You guys have got to get your hands on some RevTown jeans today. Head on over to RevTown.com. That's R-E-V-T-O-W-N.com slash hurdle and check out my favorite styles. RevTown.com slash hurdle to peep my favorite styles today. When do you go after your first fitness certification? My uh, going into my senior year at Boston College. So the summer okay. of my junior year, um, I remember going to Tim Brewster, and I keep referring to him in the in the past tense because he passed away five years ago. He was my mentor um, at the age of forty nine. And what happened? Um, to, what happened? To he Tim? had, and this is a tribute to like, this is a great example of like, you can look really healthy on the outside, but you don't know necessarily what's internally going on with someone, but mm. he had a massive heart attack 
at the age of 49. And they call it the widow maker because there's nothing you can do. Um, and he was married with uh, a two-year-old and a four-year-old. So, and, and when I tell you this man was the healthiest, like, like incredible soccer player, unbelievable physique, crazy energy, but genetically, right? It, he was suffering, right? There was a, there was an issue there. So, um, oh, I'm so sorry to hear about that. Yeah, no, I mean, it was, listen, it, it's, but it really, I mean, I know we're going off topic here, but it was a great reminder to me when it happened of like, just a shock, obviously, but also like a, like man, freaking enjoy every moment, but B like you just, it, it's not just about like the, it made me realize that what I love to about training and movement, it's not, it's not the, what the, it's not how you end up feeling or looking it's, I love the act. Right. So it really brought me back to like, I am really doing what I love because I love the act of all of it. It's not mm -hmm. the end results. It's, it's the whole process. Right. So it's like the joy, the, journey. Is in, the joy is in the journey, not the destination. Right. That's truly like, and it made me, um, you know, cause experiences like that can make you really rethink. Right. And it, and it did make me realize like, wow, I really am enjoying the journey. Like it's not, I am, I am, you know, embracing that. So right. that was going into my senior year. And I remember asking him like, what's the certification I should get? And he said, start with NASA. And, mm -hmm. um, I still tell people to this day when, when, you know, talking to trainers about what's the first certification I would get, you know, that was mine. And so I'd say like that, and it's, it's, you know, it's a fantastic search. So that was the first one. And, um, I remember, you know, I was using my roommates as guinea pigs, like just, you know, trying, trying everything, but it really, again, was Tim. Um, when I graduated from college, um, and again, my parents going, where's your nine to five. And I'm saying, I I'm going to be a trainer. Like, this is what I'm going to do full time. And, um, I remember them saying like, we're not giving you any money. So if you can't make a living doing this, that's it like you need to figure it out. Like either you get, as they would tell me a real job or figure it out. Um, and back then, man, you couldn't make a lot of money as a trainer. Like you were not making, mm -hmm. you were not making, you know, that like I always say it's, uh, you've got to earn your stripes. You know, it was me at that time training anywhere between eight and 12 people a day, and then not being able to pay my rent off of that. So also bartending three nights a week, mm -hmm. but also like bartending bars closed up, you know, it, it early in Boston, thank God, but going directly to the gym and falling asleep on a massage table in the gym. Cause I had the keys cause I would open and sleeping for three hours and just like jumping in the shower there before my first client. But it's like, I'm like, I'm not giving up. Like, I know this is what I want to do. Um, but it was a lot of years of just, you know, really grinding. And, um, I I'm such a firm believer and I'm always telling trainers that, you know, are starting out in the business. I know it's really hard to hear because you see so much of like, especially with social media, you know, like, how do I, how am I going to, why am I not doing this? How do I get to this? What do I, do? and it's like, wow, you, you really, there's no excuse. There's no shortcut for hard work. Like 
you the the only way to keep your flame burning is to is to progress slowly right you can't you can't light up you're going to burn out as fast as you light up right it's a slow burn and it's um and you learn every step of the way and it's like if you if the, the amount of work like you know for people that don't know and they just see me on Instagram or whatever and they think well how did this girl get this it's like 25 years 25 years of like earning my stripes you know and yeah. uh and the slow progression and it's like having patience to like not not give up because you see what someone else is doing or what they're getting and i will say that i'm grateful man it's like when i look at young kids today and like young kids today but when i look at kids today who are growing up like even my nieces and my nephew and i see you know they live in bozeman montana so they actually don't even have phones but i see the i see kids their age on a phone at the age of 12. And I'm like, how awful, right? Like, I'm so grateful that I grew up in fitness in a time where I didn't know what the person in the gym next door was doing. I didn't know what the person next to me was doing on their off time. Like it wasn't there. So I could focus a hundred percent on my path. Right. And being concerned about me being, um, I always say like the hardest worker in the room, but I've kind of shifted that to like over the years now, not being, being the hardest worker in the room is one thing, but being the smartest worker, not in terms of intelligence, but in terms of using your time wisely, how are you budgeting your time? And it doesn't mean doing more and more and more and more. It means like, what is the best way, right? To end with the result that I want to see using my time in the wisest manner. And now that you do have access to social media, you do have an idea of maybe what the trainer is doing next door. How have you seen that maybe impact how you're working versus before when you were just getting started and you were falling asleep on the massage table and getting up every day and doing it again? Social media is such a, I mean, we could talk about social media for five hours. I am so grateful for it. Like I would be lying if I said I didn't love Instagram. I I love it. I really love it. And I love it for what I use it for. I love it for the fact that I'm able to offer people free information, right? To educate people. Like my ultimate goal is to make people feel better, be healthier and inspire them through movement, right? So what I do on my page is an extension of my business. It's a lens into my business right? So where I'm giving you something for free. And then if you want more, right, obviously there's my app, there's my, there's, you know, you have that, but, but I kind of keep, you know, I don't say, I shouldn't say blinders on, I don't keep blinders on. You need to be aware of what other people are doing. And I, I think that's super helpful if you can compartmentalize it where it's like, you see what they're doing, but you don't compare what you're doing to them. Like what you're doing in the lane you're in is your lane. And it doesn't mean what they're doing is wrong. It does, but it doesn't mean change what you're doing. It may help you evolve, right? So you might see something or some, what another trainer's doing or whatever and go, oh, that's, oh, is that what, like, is that how I should be using this form of social media or like doing that? Or even, you know, listen, it's a great, 
looking at other trainers as a trainer, it's a great way to like help you get creative, right? Use it for what it is. When you see someone doing like a, an amazing move, it's like, oh, heck yes. Like I, they, they just taught me something new and they didn't realize it. Like, that's what I hope people get from my page is that they go, oh, wow. Like, this is awesome. I just learned something new today. And I, I think, um, it's impossible not to compare, like there's a difference between comparing yourself and competing, comparing yourself to others and competing with others. Mm-hmm. I don't believe it's a competition. I, I truly believe yeah. there is room for everyone in this industry and not every trainer or per, or per fitness professional is going to resonate with every person. And that's a beautiful thing. It's like the that's way totally. I train and what I put out, it's not going to work for everybody. It's not, it, people aren't, not everybody's going to like it. And like, you have to be okay with that being the case and being like, that's great. If you don't like, I'm not, and also accepting like what you're good at and what you're not. Like, I am not a kettlebell like that. I don't, you know, I may have my, I have one kettlebell cert. I don't pick up kettlebell. It's just not my thing. It's not, it doesn't resonate with me. It it never filled my heart. So I will send you to someone amazing who does do it. And it's like, don't be, don't be afraid to do that. You know what I mean? Don't be afraid to share the wealth with someone else. It's like, well, you know, like even when it comes to all aspects of wellness, I am not a nutritionist. I'm not a registered dietitian. I'm going to send you to someone awesome because they have the schooling and they have the education and they're going to, they will help you in ways you, I could never help you. Right. So I yeah. think, and nothing makes you feel better, right? In the end, you're helping people regardless, whether it's your program or someone else's. It's that saying, it's that like comparison is the thief of joy. Like when you're not willing to stay in your own lane and you're starting to freak out, that's when you're like completely losing focus of whatever it is, is your mission, is your priority. Because you can't do everything, right? You can't like, I don't think there's anybody that can, would it, would fight me on that. It's like, you absolutely cannot do everything. You have to learn your strengths and your weaknesses, not be afraid of that. Like, I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not. doesn't mean that you shouldn't work on your weaknesses, but also like you can't relay that information to someone until like, it's, it's what I always say, like, I don't ever put a move out or an exercise out that I don't do myself. That's just how I work. Like, if I can't experience it and I can't do it myself, how am I going to coach you through it? Like, how am I going to, yeah. I can't give you the proper cues. So if someone comes to me and they say, can you teach me I don't powerlifting like that? I want to be, I want to be like that. I want to be able to do my max, you know, de- like that's a different situation. We can all do our max bench or whatever it is, but like, I am not a powerlifter. So I'm going to send you to a coach who is fantastic at coaching powerlifting. It's like, I think we, some, what's happening is people are getting really confused by everything they see out there. Even as trainers, it's like, no, I should be doing this now. No, I should be, Oh, maybe I should be, maybe I should come up with a dance fitness routine. Maybe I should do. And it's like, no, no, no. I mean, what I've always been consistent with is my method is my method. It evolves, but I'm not looking at what's like, I'm not doing what's popular. I'm doing what's right. And if the two intersect, if the two intersect, awesome party time. If they don't like stay with it because you're going to find your people, no matter what, who support what you do and, and embrace what you do. When you're coaching between eight and 12 clients a day, how do you not burn out? Well, I did. I mean, that's the thing that not anymore. You will like, 
this is this is where the growth has happened in this industry or within me is that realizing that I used to be so proud that I was training between eight and 12. It's like, huh, I trained 12 people today. How is it possible to give 12 humans, 12 hours, the kind of attention they need and deserve? And I think back to some of my, this was back when, you know, at this point I was training at, at now the squash club then became Boston Sports Club, which at that time, Town Sports International, that was the only gym in Boston. There was no Sports Club LA. There was no Equinox, which I did end up working at, you know, as well in Boston. But at the time, that was it. And I think back to some of the clients I trained there. And oh my gosh, you think that like, like I want to get my hands on them again, you know, because like not only the growth in my program, but also the fact that that last person of the day <laughs> as a trainer, I remember there were times where I would look at them and be like, what do you want to do? What do you want to do today? It's not that my client's job to tell, like they're looking at me like, what do I want? What do you, what do you mean? What I, I mean, you can't at 12 out, you can't at 12 people a day, give, give what you need to give. So now I think, you know, what happened for me is, and I also, you know, I was proud of the fact that for five years straight for town sports international out of, it was like 800 trainers in the whole company, you know, because there's like New York, Boston, Washington, I was the number one trainer in the entire company for like five years. And it wasn't- How did they I, gauge that? How many sessions you do? Dear. So me being like numbers, being like 12 a day, I, I was like, I, I don't, I competing with myself, not, and it's always like about me. It wasn't about like, I never asked who was the second person, but I was always like, how many, like, I'm still there, right? I'm still, I'm still doing the most sessions, right? And like, hello, they were making so much money off me. <laughs> it's like, it wasn't my own business, which again, like you, I, I totally encourage everybody as a trainer, like go to work for a big box gym to start out and get your education and, and learn those ropes. Like it's so invaluable what you learn, like working in a, in a, in a situation like that, but also be smart enough to, to, you know, and this is maybe taboo to say, but be smart enough to, to, walk away from it too. When you suddenly, when you've got the, what you need and you understand what you're doing and you feel like you have the experience and you're ready to, to spread your wings, don't be afraid to spread your wings because, you know, you are really an independent trainer versus working for a big box. It's safe working for that company, right? Cause you get your benefit. And some people have to like, the, you, you are afraid, you're afraid to like go off on your own and and have to, you know, pay for your insurance and all that comes along with that. But you're also never going to grow beyond a certain level. You know, it's like, I, how many years, like five years, top trainer, like, what did that do? Like, what, what did mm -hmm. that really do besides fatigue me never to the point where I wanted to jump ship on the industry, but it, but it made me realize like, there's gotta be another way. Like there's, I was getting, I was too comfortable doing this but at the same time exhausted doing it. And it was like, well, why am I, why am I giving 60% or 70% of every session to this gym? Like it doesn't make any sense. Right. So that yeah. caused me to start even in Boston and, you know, doing in-home training group fitness was frightening to me as a trainer, because I was like, oh, there's how many people that are going to be in this room? Like, there's no way I can control how the form of this, at that point, there was big 60 people. I used to teach to 60 people. And, um, 
I, I, I freaking loved it, but man, it took me like a year or so to be able to let go of like the fact that someone's foot might be slightly inverted or their knee might be adducting just a little bit. It's like, you have to like, as long as they're not going to really hurt themselves, some of those little things, you have to like, let it go and just breathe and be like, they're going to be okay. Like you can only do what you can do. Right. Um, they're going to be okay. They're going to be okay. (laughs) They're going to be okay. Like as long as they're not going to, you know, blow a knee out or whatever, like it was like, you have to, and and I think that prepared me for quite frankly, like the launch of my app, the fact that, I mean, I waited probably three years longer than when I think back, like everything happens for a reason, but I spent a good two or three years not being able to get over in my head again, the same scenario that I, that happened to me in like 98 with diving into group fitness a few years after just training. The fact that no matter how specific I am with my cueing and you know, that is, that is my thing, right? I'm known for like expert cueing. There's going to be someone in their house somewhere who doesn't have fantastic body awareness and what I'm saying is not connecting and they're not going to be doing it like absolutely perfectly, which no one is perfect. Right. But like, I couldn't in my head get over the fact that I can't see them and I can't like what the, what ifs were like a huge thing to me. Like, what if I can't see them? And like, ultimately I'm not making them healthier. They're going to, what if they hurt, you know, like I could end up like someone could get hurt. And it was like, I finally had to let go and say like, you again, you can only do what you can do. And if you know in your heart, you're putting out the best quality information that you possibly can, and people are going to have fun while they're doing it. That's all you can do. And that's all I could hope. How do you, how do you get to that point though, for someone who's struggling to, to get there? Yeah. I mean, I think it was more, it wasn't just me. It was like two clients that I have who, um, one of them is Brendan Fallis who ended up like he was, I have to give him so much credit, both he and Hannah Brothman. They were so adamant that he was like, you've got to share. You're so, he was like, you you have to share this with the world. Like the way you train and put movement together is so different. Like people deserve to experience this. And it was also, I would say it was also Candace as well. Candace Cameron Bure, who was like, you know, it, my method just clicked with her immediately. And she's like, I've never done anything like this. I've never felt this good. I've never felt this strong. I've never felt this connected. People need to experience this. And so my first, what I did first, Emily, was I signed an LOI to open a studio in New York City. And I was like, okay, that's how I'm going to do it. Because I can watch it. I can, you know, I can see. And then I remember for about a month, I couldn't sleep and I was coming up with every reason like why this is going to be so hard. And this, and my husband looks at me and he's like, this is a time where you should be so excited about what you're about to embark on. And you're not, you're anxious. Like you're, you're anxious about it. He goes, so you got to step back and are you doing this because you want to do it? Or are you doing it because everybody thinks this is your next step? in your career. Mm. Cause you got to figure out, like you have to really want to do this. He goes, and you're also, he's like, you think you're going to be able to control every person. You're not going to teach every class. 
you have to hire people to teach the class. And what are you going to do when somebody else is teaching and you don't know that they care as much as you care and they don't because it's not their business, right? So they're not going to care as much as you care. No one will care as much as you. Can you get over that? And I couldn't. And I was like, this is not what I want. This is, I woke up and I was like, I've never felt so good as the day that I was like, I am not doing this. Like I am made a decision. I do not want brick and mortar. And, but I'm going to do a virtual studio. I was like, in my head, I was like, I know. And I have so many people that, that are also like, you know, so supportive of what I do. And I think that was the first time as someone who like, you know, admittedly some, a perfectionist for sure. Like I'll never apologize for being when people say like, Oh, recovering perfectionist, like there's this whole thing out there that I feel like the word perfectionist has become like a buzzword that it's a bad thing. I think if you're a perfectionist who can accept that the goal of doing something really well, that's the goal, but being able to, um, accept the fact that no one is perfect, right? If you, it's one thing to like have that goal of wanting to do really well, and wanting to do your best, but also, you know, as I said, being able to step back and say like, no one's perfect. And so I finally had this moment where I was like, it's okay that people aren't going to be doing maybe perfectly. If your words to you are as good as they can be to convey a message, then again, that's all you can ask for. It's such an important lesson, like that idea of doing something because you feel it so deeply in your heart and you feel it's very purposeful for you versus like doing whatever you feel like you're supposed to be doing. That's it. The number of people, and I, I, I don't fault them for saying to me, like, this is your next step. Why don't you have your own studio? So many people are saying it to you and you're going, yeah, why don't I? Why don't I? Like, this is crazy. I should have my own studio, whatever. But in my heart of hearts, like knowing, like I, there's a lot I love there. I like a wonderful life. I love to travel. I clients in LA that pre COVID, you know, every month I'm going to see them and I freaking love having the ability to do that. You have a brick and mortar studio. Like you, you, that you are tied. That is it. Like you have to be there. You can't, you can't, in my mind, I made the decision that I knew I wouldn't be able to enjoy life the way I really love to enjoy it. Like the ability to like fly by the seat of my pants and go places and just do things. It's like, I don't, you know, at that point I was 43 and I was like, I should be doing less, not more. This is going to cause me to be able to do more. I'm going to be right back to where I was when I was 21. (laughs) Right. And I was like, Oh no, no, no. And so the beauty of you know, the app, which which it had its second birthday in the end of February was that Mm -hmm. it's my, it's a hundred percent mine. Like I own it a hundred percent. I can reach so many more people than I ever could have in brick and mortar. Right. Like you can't like, that's it. Like that's, you're limited. The tens of thousands of people that are now subscribed to this app who are from all over the world, who not only are, are feeling their best, but they've made friendships with one another just virtually that are like through the Facebook group and whatnot, that it's so cool to see, right? It's like, you've created this community that's taken on a, it's taken on a life of its own, even without me, where they're just talking back and forth and want to meet. And it's like, it's the coolest thing. And it's like that I sleep so well at night now. And it's, 
part of it is also trusting myself. Um, and I believe anybody who's embarking on something like this with like a virtual digital journey in fitness, trusting, like you have to trust that what you do and what you put out is, is that good, right? That now when I see people and they tag me on their stories, and of course, the first thing I do is watch their form. I'm so freaking proud when I see like, I'm like, I can't believe it. Like they're really doing this so well, right? So it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's like, it's, it's, um, I'm so grateful that my whole path totally shifted, right? It was like, oh, studio, here's the next grit. And it was like, no, I'm going to go this way. And, um, having that in place, obviously a year before COVID was so huge. Like I have to say like the timing of that, I, I was, I was set up, right. I was set up for, um, for just like the perfect storm, you know, for when we all had to go digital, I was like, thank God I have this right now. Right. Because yeah, you know, fitness as I knew it, it just, as everyone knew it just came to a halt. 518,000 plus people following you on Instagram. When they come to your page, they see a woman that is looking pretty good and training a lot of humans and all the things. When you look in the mirror, what is it that you see looking back at you? I am who I am. Like there's nothing, I know that my page and what you see on Instagram and you look at it and you think, I think if you just came to the page, you think this, like, she's like a machine. All that's on here is like working out. It's one thing or the other. Um, and I think sometimes I look in the mirror and I giggle because I'm like, and you get a sense of it on my stories, which is why my stories are so much more, um, it's why people love them. Right. It's like a little bit of me, a little bit of Gary. It's you hear me laugh. Right. And laughter and humor and really, um, truly having gratitude, um, for not just the ability to move, but just gratitude for life. Just the, just the fact that I get to do what I do for a living. I get to have just amazing people in my life. My family, I guess I look in the mirror and just think, wow, I'm, I'm really fortunate, you know? And I don't believe that it's, I hate to say like, I'm really lucky. I'm not someone, I don't believe it's not luck, it's choices. Right. And consciously having made choices in my life that, um, led me to a place where I'm just really content, content and still, you know, grateful that I know there's so much more to come. It's funny. Someone asked me the other day on Instagram, they said, was a girl and she was 37. And she said to me, how do you not get upset about aging and your age? I'm 37 and I'm already having anxiety over it and can't sleep at night. And my husband tells me just to enjoy the moment. And I said, you know, I thought about it and I was like, oh my gosh, at 37 to be like, I think everybody thinks about aging. Everybody thinks of their, you know, there's, it'd be, it'd be lying to say like, oh, you know, oh, you know, we know age is just a number. It is just a number. It's like, it is, it's a state of mind, right? And you can't choose, you can't stop aging, right? You can't stop growing, but you can choose how you do it. And that's what I wrote back to her. I was like, you can't control the number. The number is going to happen and be grateful, 
that you're so blessed that you get to keep adding to that. Like that is, it's a gift that you get to increase the number, right? But you can choose how you, how you want to live and how you choose to age. And that should not include being worried about the next year. Like you, we all know, but I hope we all learned after this past year, it's like, man, you don't know what's going to happen. So you've got to like, literally look at every day and think every day is like, not every day is going to be a good, not every day is going to be a good day, but every day has good in it. Like as you add the years, you add the wisdom and I'm just planning on getting stronger and stronger every year. Stronger and stronger every year. And I love that you were talking about answering your DMs. That one, a kind DM. I'm sure there are certainly many that pop into your inbox that uh, may not be so kind and are also a little judgmental. I think as much as people uh, online struggle with bullying when it comes to their size coming hand in hand with the body positivity movement. I'm sure that you get a lot of people in your DMs that have something to say about your physique. So how do you deal with that? I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that it doesn't bother me. I don't think there's anybody that can read some of the really horrible things that people say, like someone calling you, you look like a starved dog or, um, yeah, that was one of the worst. You look like a man. And you know, you can imagine they're all just like your face. You're like, oh my God. But like things where you're just like, the first thing I do is I look and I go, what human could actually say this to another human? And what's going on with them that's causing them to have to say this and feel good about it? Like you can't, like I just, it blows, it does blow my mind. I'm not going to lie that someone could even uh, through a screen type such horrible things. Right. And what's even worse is then when sometimes I I like, if you get it and I'll just happen to look at their profile and many times they'll say like mom of three. Mm. And I think to myself, Oh gosh, how badly I want to write back to this person and say, you know, that the, my, you have children, you have shit. Like I really hope, but I don't, I never write back quite honestly, because it's just not, um, it's not worth it. Right. And it's, but usually these people are just looking to, they're just looking to engage with you. They're looking to get a rise out of you. That's it. They're, they're, that's what they want. And I have to say like the, one of the best things I listened to, it was Brene Brown and, it, and she's so brilliant. And she, she quoted the Teddy Roosevelt speech, right. And it's uh, the man in the arena. And I wish I could remember the entire speech, but I can't, but you know, it's, it's, basically the way she sums it up in her words too, or that, you know, when you've got people sitting in the cheap seats, throwing stones, you can't pay attention to those people. They're not even willing to step into the arena, right? You can say all you want, but if you're someone just from the, you know, if you're looking from the outside in and you're critiquing someone and yet you aren't putting yourself out there, how can you don't give those people the time of day, you know? And, and I, I think that's so true. And it's very hard. Like, I'm not going to pretend that it's like an easy thing to ignore these things. Um, and you shouldn't ignore them. I still think like you should, you have to like, you want to see what people are saying, you know, like it's, it's, you, you have to be aware. You can't just like shut things down, but you can't let it, um, 
you just can't let it affect you. You have to like, you always, I always have to think of it as like, what must be going on with this person? It's my husband that I sometimes have to like pull off the, off the reins. Like he's, he's also known to go on clients pages of mine when someone's giving a client of mine crap and just go to tat. Like he's so protective and I'm like, step away, step away. Don't do it. Don't <laughs> step do it. I'm like, it's not worth it. <laughs> and we both know it, but you know, you have your moments. I always say like, there's times when I also know, like when I'm PMS, like I, I should not be answering DMs or teaching a class or it's like, it's like very self-aware. I'm like, oh gosh, you're like, just not, not the time. Not today. Not, not today. today. Not today. <laughs> like we, you got to know. Okay, Kira, so, so what else excites you right now? Um, what else excites me? Well, first and foremost, I'm excited that we're somewhat opening up in the world and I get to see my family that I get to see my, um, I'm an auntie and I'm such a proud aunt and I get to see my nieces and nephews that I haven't seen in, um, you know, almost two years at this point coming through. So those like, and honestly going out to see clients in LA, which I haven't been able to do in 14 months, like that excites me. Um, this weather excites me, but also just what I have business-wise talking about in terms of business, what it's like, I mean, just the fact that I have the opportunity to keep building this app as, you know, as it is my own. I mean, I think when you have something and it's your own business and you have put your heart and soul into it, like to continue to build it and make it better for people so they can move better is um, it, there's not a day that goes by that I'm not excited about that. And there's so much more coming to that app. Um, and a lot of collaborations that are happening with the app and, um, you know, the equipment too, like I've got some good stuff up my sleeve, just as far as not just the <laughs> app, it's the bands, it's the sliders, it's the ball, but then we've got a jump rope and we've got four other pieces of equipment that, um, that I've been working on for a year now. That's all great. But really where I want to, you know, what I see down the road that I really hope can make happen. And I'm like, you know, I'm manifesting it, but I know that to manifest, you also have to like, there's more to manifesting than just thinking about it. Right. It's like, it's like, that's the first step, but then you have to actually, um, really come up with a plan. And what I really want to do, um, man, I miss teaching in person. Like I, there's nothing, I'm so grateful for the app and you know, having a virtual platform, but nothing replaces that in-person energy. So really what I want to do is find a way to marriage the two. So uh, when the world opens up a little more, and my husband and I have been talking about this for a while, but almost starting like a, I, I just am so, I'm so like in love with the community that this app has. So to literally do a tour where we've just got like a tricked out RV, which I mean, if Gary and I can stay married after this situation, <laughs> after <laughs> trying this, this will be amazing because he can't even back out of our driveway without hitting the curb. So seeing Gary try to drive an RV is just going to be I, like a reality show in itself. But doing like a tour across country to get out to LA um, and literally stopping in like grocery store parking lots and doing pop-up stoked events where like I just, you know, anybody, I just put it out there on social. It's like, I'm going to be in this spot. And I just want everybody to come and meet one another and, you know, just feel that in-person energy because I mean, this is the first break I've taken from teaching live classes in 20 years. 
was COVID. And yeah. I always, I keep saying to Gary, I was like, I, I, that was one of the hardest things about the pandemic was like, man, not only, you know, it shut down, but it was like, that's not how I wanted to go out. That's not how I wanted to hang up my sneakers from teaching. Like I didn't want it to be my last class to be determined by a pandemic, not by my yeah. own, my own lack of desire to teach live classes anymore, you know? And, um, because the studio that I taught out, like closed forever. Um, you know, so that's not even an option. And quite frankly, to me, teaching live classes with a mask on, I, I would rather just do it outside where we can be yeah. apart and, you know, like enjoy the experience really. So, um, that's really what, man, I think about that. And it, like, I get so pumped about it. Just the thought of like, I love that being able to hang with humans like that, you know, sweat. It's like it's sweat equity, you know, it's like this bond that you forge in sweat that just, there's nothing better. You know, you've taken classes and you're, you know, it's like, man, we all miss that (sighs) feeling. We miss that feeling. We do. It's coming coming back. It's coming. It's coming back. Yeah. All right. Closing question here. Yeah. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. You're freaking me out though. Right, <laughs> right now, Kira, Yep. you have an opportunity to offer the Kira that was sitting in with her mentor, watching him whenever mm-hmm. she could get away from the front desk, mm-hmm. excited about a potential career in fitness, trying to make her parents get on board. <laughs> One piece of advice, looking back on it right now, what do you tell her? I think I would tell her first and foremost, give yourself grace. So just, you know, it took me a long time, as I said, like find the joy in the journey, right? It took me versus being so concerned about how many people are you training? Like how, like it, back then, like, I think, you know, this profession has always been about serving others. Like, I do believe I'm in the service industry and I forever will be. It doesn't matter whether, you know, you're starting in it right now, or you've been in the industry for 25 years, you are in the service industry. And I think, um, back then being so concerned about the numbers and being so concerned about, you know, um, quantity over quality that I think, telling myself, like, have patience, you know, have patience with yourself and have patience, like flex your muscles of patience and things will, the universe will unfold as it should. And, and like, you know, one step at a time, I think it was, and I, and I think any fitness professional this in this day and age should, should take that advice. It's like, don't be so concerned with what's happening next, but appreciate what's directly in front of you and the people that you are surrounding yourself with and the clients that you're working with. Um, man, like each one of those people deserves a hundred percent of your attention, whether they're the first client or the last client of the day, they don't care whether they were first or last client to them. Like this is, this is their one hour with you. So, um, just remember like how much that means to that one person. Another thing I think I would have told my younger self is that, you know, I'm such, I'm, I'm, I'm like a huge smiler. I smile constantly. And I don't remember doing that when I was younger as a trainer, because I was so intense with like 
where is this, where's this taking me? Like what's next? Like how many people am I training? Whatever. I didn't like, now I smile like all the time. Like I work out as mad. I don't think I, I don't think I appreciated back then. And I don't think you do it at a young age. I think it's really hard to appreciate just the simple act of movement, just the gratitude towards being able to move your body. Um, I think, you know, rather than being like always looking for the challenge of moving your body, just appreciating the actual, just act of being able to do so. Um, and I think, you know, that's just, that's, I don't know if that can be taught at a young age, but I definitely would have told myself to just, you know, take more walks and jump, do less box jumps. Enjoy your moving meditation of walking or running versus like, ah! <laughs> 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 oh, let me get on that. Huge <laughs> like, it's like, okay. Like there's a time and a place for that. But man, like if I had taken more walks, I probably would have figured a lot more out. <laughs> <laughs> Kira, thanks so much for, for coming on the show today. Talk to the hurdlers. How can they keep up with you? How can they follow along with you? Uh, Kira Stokes fit is my Instagram. The Kira Stokes fit app is my app. Um, kirastokes.com is my website, all the good places. Like just Google away people. I always say just like (laughs) do your due diligence, Google, there's all the places to be. So I'd love to touch more lives. So follow me. (laughs) I'm over at hurdle podcast and at Emily body, another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.